Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to The Bigger Picture. Well, with the recent turmoil in the banking sector, it looks like yet another costly lesson for ESG. Hundreds of ESG fund managers are now dealing with this thing of having misjudged Silicon Valley Bank. More than 900 funds registered under EU regulations as either promoting ESG or declaring it as their objective are exposed directly or indirectly to the now collapsed bank. For ESG investors, SVB appeared to tick several boxes. The bank was a big lender to renewable energy companies, so that looks like an easy tick in the box for ESG. But as you now know well, when it came to governance risks, this area was greatly overlooked. So where did it go wrong? Let's check in with Graham Baker, Portfolio Manager for Sustainable Equity at 91, a global investment manager. Hi, Thanks for having me. Well, we are looking at quite an interesting time. And of course, a lot of turmoil in the banking sector. Has this come as a surprise to you, seeing so many fund managers being blindsided? Not necessarily. I think when we look at sustainability, and we'd rather use the term sustainability than ESG, we really concentrate on very detailed analysis. And we try to integrate very detailed sustainability analysis into the fundamental analysis across our investment process. We are fundamental investors. We run very high conviction, high focus portfolios, and we think we're doing sustainability with substance. But there are others out there who would potentially trying to jump on um, the sustainability or SG bandwagon and making quite simplistic decisions around um, simple box ticking methodologies. Mm. And we don't think you can invest well over the long term with a sustainable mindset without doing very detailed due diligence and fundamental analysis. Now, it does suggest that some of these fund managers have been a bit too lazy. So this could have been a good wake-up call for them. So what's the best way to go about navigating this area of sustainability? What are the signs to look out for? I think you need to really delve into the detail mm-hmm. of the analysis. You need to spend significant time understanding the businesses you're looking at And we have something called our capitals framework, where we look across natural capital, human capital and social capital, really try to understand how uh, material externalities related to these areas could have a positive or negative impact on the businesses that we're investing in. And ultimately, we think businesses that have better sustainability characteristics should create long-term intrinsic value. And that's the sort of detail we're delving into. And we engage deeply with all of the companies we're investing in. Mm. Now, we believe transparency is really important as well. I think for us, with the Global Environment Fund that I manage and for other strategies and funds within um, the sustainable equity range, we believe in full transparency, showing investors exactly what we're investing in, why we're investing in it, and doing very detailed fundamental analysis behind that. Clearly, you look very closely at some of the indications or indicators, you mentioned natural capital, human capital. Can you ask to unpack what you look out for exactly in these areas? Yeah. So within natural capital, one of the key areas that we look at is focusing on climate change. And the Global Environment Fund is really focused on sustainable decarbonisation. So within that, we're really trying to find those leaders across decarbonisation, those climate solution providers that are helping to decarbonise 
um, the planet as we move forward in time. And we think that is a really once-in-a-lifetime, potentially once-in-a-lifetime structural growth opportunity that sits on the opposite side of some of the biggest risks we face as a global economy and as a global ecosystem. So within that, we go into detail around carbon emissions trends, looking at scope one, scope two, and scope three carbon emissions. But ultimately, we also look at um, a metric called carbon avoided, trying to find businesses that are helping the world to avoid carbon. So that's how we think about carbon, climate, decarbonisation, but also we think about biodiversity, we think about water. We also, when we're thinking about human capital, think about the culture within a business mm. and how that can support competitive advantages for those companies. What's about culture exactly that you're looking for? We're looking for companies that really uh, create an environment, create a differentiated culture that... Um, Really makes um, you know, staff, staff members feel that they have support, feel they have an ownership of the business they're working for, feeling they're they're recognised. Are you thinking feeling about policies they have trust? like um, employee stock ownership? Are you thinking about HR policies? Yes, that. But even further, and we we go through into a lot of detail when we speak to companies, thinking about how they are creating that culture across the business, how they let different staff members work in different parts of an organization to really understand and learn and grow and offer staff members opportunities that they might not have elsewhere and opportunities to continuously um, improve on their career and, and hit the targets that they want. It's, it's quite a holistic way to think about things. Okay, so you've got investors trying to figure out what are some of the best companies to invest in. So when you look at some of the trends playing out, it seems like the big buzzwords these days are EVs and whatever else is helping to just make that transition from fossil fuels to renewable fuels. So when you look at this space, how do you approach investing in some of these bigger trends? Yeah, and that's a great point on electric vehicles. We've seen huge structural growth in that area. You know, last year in China, we saw growth in EVs close to 100% year on year. We saw 30% of all auto sales in China were electric vehicles. And once again, in February, we saw a very strong electric vehicle sales number. So we're seeing positive structural growth leveraged to some of these decarbonization trends. We're seeing that also in areas such as solar. We're seeing very strong government regulation and support, whether we're looking at the China net zero target by 2060, whether we're looking at the US Inflation Reduction Act, or a potential um, European version of the Inflation Reduction Act, we're seeing lots of support from governments around the world for many of these key areas. And for us within the Global Environment Fund, we are trying to find the leaders in those areas, the businesses whose future revenue growth is leveraged to these key structural growth trends. And I think that's the key. We're looking for structural growth. And in a world where we may, it's debatable, but we may be going into a global recess, recession, you want businesses that have positive structural growth as we look forward in time. Yeah, so you're mentioning Tesla's not on your list right now. We don't hold Tesla in the, strat in the fund, um, but it does fit into our universe. And what we are investing in is lots of names that feed into that supply chain where we're finding businesses with key characteristics that we're looking for, which is structural growth, sustainable returns, and competitive advantages. And you have a heavy exposure to China right now? 
We do, and that is quite a differentiator for us. It's an area of the world where we're seeing significant structural growth across key decarbonisation sectors. When we talk about decarbonisation, we're talking about renewable energy, we're talking about electrification, and we're talking about resource efficiency. And China does have some of the leaders across the world that are providing technologies and research and development that are helping to accelerate global decarbonisation. Yeah, on the front, we are one year into the Ukraine war. In your observation, how much has changed in the energy landscape, in particular the motivation to diversify into renewable energy? Because it's a painful transition period. Yeah, and that's a good question. Look, with the war in Ukraine, we've seen certain parts of the world, such as Europe, trying to diversify away from hydrocarbons. And actually, we're seeing a lot of countries around the world focusing on security of energy supply and internalizing that supply, which actually should mean a positive. It should be a positive driver for renewables. So we're expecting to see strong demand in renewables as countries try to produce their own electricity and try to become less dependent on importing hydrocarbons. And I think an interesting point to note, as we've moved through the last year, when you compare the relative economics of renewable energy to that of hydrocarbon-based power, the positive relative economics continue to improve in favour of renewables. So the costs have continued to come down on a relative basis, where you've seen this huge spike in hydrocarbon-based prices. So actually, the economics make sense. The drive to decarbonise over the longer term makes sense. And that's what excites us about this area. All right, lots to watch out for in this space. We've been chatting with Graham Baker. He is the portfolio manager for Sustainable Equity for 91, a global investment manager. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.